0: Welcome back to another exciting episode of Disrupted Minds. Today, we welcome an incredible guest, Joseph Rocky Jr. Joe is a serial business creator and founder. He has created a number of successful entities from scratch that have lived well beyond a decade. This is an incredibly rare feat for any industry, let alone in the world of real estate, which is where he began. Currently, Joe runs and operates Elite Business Conversations, a specialty coaching and consulting firm that helps individuals and companies create elite sales cycles, immaculate and enduring business cultures, and succession plans for business owners who are ready to pass on the torch. This year, Joe was recruited to unleash his passion on a TV show named after his consulting business, Elite Business Conversations. Elite Business Conversations is in 55 million households across 43 different nations, as well as a number of streaming companies. In September of 2023, Joe will be releasing his first best-selling book, Casino Sales Master. You are listening to Disruptive Minds Podcast, home of the entrepreneur. Hi Joe, thank you so much for joining us today. I'm real excited to have you. We're going to be talking all about exits which mm-hmm. is something that I don't think people think about when they should be thinking about. They wait till the last minute. And they're like, you know, let me get out of here. And then they don't really have a plan. So mm-hmm. I think coming up with a plan, having you give some tips and tricks is going to be really insightful. So could you let everybody know who you are and what you do?
1: Yeah, sure. So I'm Joe Rocky. I run elite business conversations. And at the end of the day, we do three primary things. The first is, is we help businesses that are experiencing that fear And that anxiety and that stress that comes from not knowing where our revenue is at and seeing it dwindling. And we help alleviate all of those problems. The second main area we help are businesses that look around and go, I'm not totally sure why I'm paying these people. I don't really know what it is that they're doing. And I think we're falling into success, but it's not sustainable, repeatable, or measurable. And what we're going to be talking about in today's episode is the third group that we help a lot, which is business owners that hear those two things and they feel regret in their heart. Because at the end of the day, they don't want to rebuild their kitchen before selling the house. They'd rather just walk away because they're all burnt out. And really where we come into play and help our clients is recognizing that your business is great and that at the end of the day, you deserve to move on to the next challenge or retirement, whatever the case may be, but let's do it in a way where your employees do not become unemployed. And that's really overall the entire goal of what we do here at Elite Business Conversation and they're just clients that we fulfill and help.
0: So why might a business owner be looking to exit, right? You gave some examples there. But what are some of the most common reasons you see why a business owner might you know, decide they want to hang it up and or even stay involved and sell part of the company?
1: Yeah, sure. So th- th- there's, there's a couple of obvious ones. First is running a business is really hard. Um, and it can become a really big drain upon yourself mentally, spiritually, emotionally, all those fun things. Just for the simple fact that If your organizational structure, as I was alluding to before, when you're looking around wondering what people are doing, isn't done correct, it's very easy for the business owner to become the bottleneck and required to be involved in every decision. And as things aren't continually progressing, or sometimes even when they are, in terms of growth, the business owner can get worn out and say it's not worth it. It, it, It's not worth what I got to put into this. And fundamentally, that's one of the big reasons. And one of the other reasons is just I achieved my goals. I'm ready to go achieve some new goals. And those are kind of the two ends of the extreme with everything in the middle. But those are when I talk to my clients, pretty much one of the two areas they're coming from.
0: Awesome. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of people that they want to get on to something new. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of people that, you know, they're getting up there in age. That's another big factor. Mm -hmm. And then, like you said, there's some other people where they're just sitting there going, I come to work every day for 12 hours. I put in overtime. I do everything. And I'm looking for some help. And the only way I know how to get help is find some other people that have an interest in what I do. And that might mean an exit.
1: Mm -hmm. It's possible. And then, and, and there's also those that are ready to retire and their kids don't want it. And they knew how to make amazing bread for the last 30 years, but they have no idea what to do with the bakery now. Um, So The default answer is, I don't know how to do something. I don't do anything. And unfortunately, in the business space, that means the business dies. And all your employees become now unemployed.
0: So how do you know that it is the right time to exit, right? Because sometimes people wait too long and then something does happen, like dad might die. Or, Mm -hmm. you know, some really bad turn of events causes negative cash flow all of a sudden. Mm-hmm. How do you know that you're 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 looking at exiting and that this might be a good time to start having that conversation?
1: Well, the the first thing that you need to recognize up front is that the timeline of actually exiting a business can be a while. It can it can take, depending upon your situation, what you're trying to get out of it, et cetera, it can take north of five years. And with that being said, it's something that most people don't recognize. So I, what, what I recommend to people is you wanna start exploring the possibility. That doesn't mean that, that you're selling part of your ownership status or, or gifting it away at this point today, but it's starting to explore what it would look like. What does it look and feel like if I don't show up to the office for three straight weeks? Can I handle that as myself as the owner not being involved in my business for three weeks? Will the business be able to handle that? And most people that hear that statement are going to have a gut test inside them, either one of two directions being like, oh, yeah, dude, I totally should do that. My business will be fine. Or Joe, you're completely utterly nuts. If I walk away from my business for three weeks, it won't exist when I come back. And if you're in that second category, you have built your business wrong and you need to have it built correctly or you'll never be able to leave it. So, the first question is, with that gut test, did you pass? And if you haven't, that's where people like myself and other great coaches and consultants can help you um is the bottom line. And what you do is you go from your pure your emotions will tell you the truth um and then you just go from there. Let's fix the problem so I can be away and then, now that that problem's fixed, let's experience what three weeks away looks like. Did I start? Thinking about a new business I want to build. Did I really just enjoy being away and just want to be retired? Or are you just chomping to come back? All of those options are viable and great. You just need to know what you are. And unfortunately, it's kind of like riding a bike. Until you start doing it, you're never going to know.
0: Hmm. Yeah, I, I mean, there's a whole thing with the FIRE movement where people have been retiring younger and younger. And mm-hmm. then, you know, they go enjoy themselves for a couple of months and find themselves going, well, I don't want to retire. <laughs> I want to do this next thing or I want to go back to work or whatever. And I, I can see a similar thing with business owners. Mm-hmm. You know, they might think that, you know, hey, I'm getting up there in age. I want to get out from this business. Oh, it's too much work. And then. All of a sudden, two weeks later, they're sitting there bored in a hotel room in Florida.
1: (laughs) That's real. and We certainly have had clients that do that. So so one thing I want to stress is during that three weeks when you're away, you still own it. It's just we don't allow your company to reach you. Um, It's what we call our stress test. Because that is the test that says, will the business work without you? Because regardless of what direction you want to be, you want to completely sell out of the business and get the big check to go build your new one, if you want to be able to be like, you know what, I kind of only want to work in this a little bit now, or come back in a full-fledged, knowing that the business will work without you there is required for the new guy to take over because it's becoming the standard that's expected. It's also a better way to live, knowing that I can be away and the thing's not going to burn. This major stress that I've had doesn't need to be. And I'm too young to have this experience yet, but it's what I imagine a lot of parents go through when they send their kids away to college, scared to death of what it's going to be like. But if you never let it happen, it can't grow. And that's part of life too.
0: So what kind of traits and features do M&A firms, investment bankers, and consultants look for in businesses that they think they can help make an exit.
1: So, for a business to be able to be bought, which is the same thing, just from the other side of the coin, you need to make sure that it's sustainable regardless of who the new owner is, which is, like I said, the angle we start with first and foremost. Because if I know this business works regardless of who the ownership group is, you have just become industry agnostic in the sale of your business, because there's some people out there that say, I'm only going to be able to sell this, my, my garage here, my, my auto repair garage to another mechanic. Well, if you build it in a way where your general manager can take over and run the thing smoothly, you actually now can sell it to anyone that wants to buy a business because essentially you're selling a money machine. And in doing so you instantly increase the marketability and the the buying pull for your entity um, and as a result of higher demand supply and demand law 101 you get more out of it so that's part of the incentive of doing this but first and foremost the business needs to be able to run without you obviously it needs to have a positive direction moving forward into the future because the new buyer is buying the future so That doesn't mean that we had 300 great years of success and we're forward and we're never going to have a down day. It just means that the future is looking bright. Ideally better than today looks, even if today is awesome. So I bring that out because there's a couple of business owners that have come to me and say, we're in some really bad times. I don't think anyone would ever want to buy it. And the reality is the buyer's going off of the momentum. And if the momentum is showing the right direction it is a, it's a viable company to purchase. Obviously you need to have your accounting in order. That's a requirement. There's just no way around that. Um, and that's coming from someone who got an accounting degree and pretty much hates account. Um, so that's just a <laughs> fact of life. Um, but th- those are kind of the big ones. You, you need to know that it's going to work without you. You need to know it's going in the right direction and you need to be able to verify all the information.
0: Right. I think that's, that's a big one is the idea of pro forma, right? The idea that we're looking at what something might look like in the future mm-hmm. to project what kind of value it has, if any, to an outside buyer,
1: right? Exactly. Which, which
0: brings up the next point. Like what, how do you value businesses and what are some trick tips and tricks that somebody can employ to, you know, get a rough ballpark number for themselves to determine, you know, is this something that's worth selling or is this a route that might be explorable?
1: Yeah, so th- th- there's a lot of different ways of going into this and, and, and growth factors and such. So to eliminate that and give you a, just a quick generic roll of thumb type thing, last three years of net profit dash loss plus your net balance sheet. So is your balance sheet net positive, net negative? Um, add that up with the other three years. That's a quick roll of thumb to give you the ballpark you're going to be playing in. But that's not, count, that's not necessarily going to be correct, because if you have a giant multiplier that your company is saying, you know, five years from now, we're not going to be in the same stratosphere we are now, that obviously makes your company worth a whole lot more. So it depends upon where you're at in your growth cycle as a business is also factored in this equation as well.
0: Right. So so there's a lot of different factors mm-hmm. that come into play. Um, what, what is your feeling about intangible assets?
1: So I don't believe there's such thing as a bad asset. Let's just start with that. Um, at the end of the day, people are going to be buying in because of what they see your future is. So if you are able to show that there is value in this asset, that's all that really matters. So it, it it really comes down to to the black and white at the end of the day, does this make a difference or not? And if it does, it's a great thing to have. If not, it's not really relevant. So,
0: kind of, if, if you're looking to sell or you're looking to explore your options, if you have intangible assets that you think have value, uh, really putting them to the witness test of does this actually bring any value, or is this mm-hmm. just something that we have an emotional attachment to and are therefore applying value?
1: Exactly. It, it, it's from an outside perspective.
0: Right. So, uh, what what are some other things to keep in mind? Right. So. You can't have a good rule of thumb for coming to an evaluation. What are some other things that you should keep in mind when you're approaching a buyer or a buyer's approaching you? What are some things that you should have ready? And what are some things that you should uh, really try to emphasize?
1: Well, one of the things that you need to know from your side of the fence as the current business owner is what do you want it to look like in terms of your future involvement with the entity? There's a lot of guys out there that kind of do what you said before. They, they, they do that first three weeks on vacation, and they're like, no, no, I want to go back to my business. Well, if you just sold 100% of it, you can't. So you need to have a very clear idea of what you are going to be able to handle as the business owner on the other side and what you want that to look like. And that's part of why we put our clients through the stress test of the three weeks away so you find out what life is. So it kind of removes that so-called seller's remorse. That's a big starting point. The other part is, is say like, I just want to keep a little percentage so I can keep working as a sales rep or whatever. You need to understand that the new ownership is going to have the majority of stake and therefore they can basically do what they want. Um, unless we write some very aggressive terms into the sales agreement. And that's what you need to know before we even approach buyers. What are those terms going to be? And- it's your business and part of the sale so they can be very varied um, in terms of what it is that you want and how it is that you do it. and you know you you can have terms in there such as you you can't fire my employees without cause for X amount of years. you can't I call those the anti-gutting clauses. you can't just buy this you know fire everyone just so it looks better than resell it. Um, you can put terms that say you can't resell it for a certain period of time. And all of these terms add a restriction and therefore have a cost to them. And some buyers will care more about these costs than others. But they're all things that you need to have in mind before you even approach, do I want to sell this? What does it look like? What control do I want to have on the business afterwards? Obviously the less of those restrictions you have in, the easier and more you'll sell it for. But that's big things you need to consider up front before you buy it or before you sell it rather.
0: Right. And I, I think that's really a big point is that a lot of people think that selling a business is like, you know, selling a pair of shoes, right? I got a pair of mm-hmm. shoes. They go for $60. I want $55 for them. They're a great deal. You're saving five bucks over off of Walmart's price, you mm-hmm. know, but what selling a business really is, is looking at the end result you want to achieve working backwards from there and there's really limitless amounts of things you can do to get creative with the sale. Right. You, Mm -hmm. like you said, you can sell all the business, you can sell part of the business. You can sell a majority stake. You can sell a minority stake. You can put in clauses that say how they can or cannot operate. Um, And like you said, all these things have trade-offs. All these things have costs, you know, you can Mm -hmm. be paid in cash. You can be paid over time, immediately with equity uh, with dividends, all, all different sorts of things. And it's really important to think about like what you want to get out of a sale and what you want your life to look like, you know, going forward. Like once you do that stress test, what do you want your life to look like? And mm-hmm. how can we build back uh negotiating points to make you most likely to achieve your ideal life?
1: Exactly. Yeah, you've nailed it. So um when
0: you're thinking about selling a company, what would you say after you stress test, after you're kind of like, okay, I think I want to sell, mm-hmm. what does that process look like? If you could just give us a brief overview and a couple steps.
1: So basically at the end of the day, the, the best way, because you hit on something important there and I, I, w- I want to dive into it a little bit and it might seem obvious, but it's very important because a lot of people miss it. You're very good at selling those shoes that are better quality and cheaper than Walmart's most people have no idea how to sell the factory and the business that are making the shoes. Um, So the first thing I recommend is at least having a conversation with someone who's a professional in this space. Um, You know, everyone can sell their house themselves, but you get a lot more when you work with a realtor agent in the majority case of time. So that's the starting point. Intellectually speaking, it's not the hardest thing in the world to do. You're going to list it at a qualified site that has buyers buying with it um, or with a brokerage. And then a buyer is going to come to you. And then you're going to literally interview them when done correctly. You're going to interview the new buyer the same as you'd interview an employee to make sure that they're going to hit the buttons that you want to have pushed. And if they do, we move forward. And if they don't, you don't especially if you're not selling 100% of the business, you need to recognize that this is a relationship you're selling um, as much as it is the business. So if you're going to still be involved here, you need to make sure that the group or the buyer that's coming in to be with you is a good fit. And that's why I use explicitly the interview dynamic because that's what you're going to be doing. And then essentially the market will tell you whether or not you're crazy or not in terms of your pricing, your requests, your, your terms of sale, et cetera. And then you just go from there and you you adjust accordingly. So the starting point is, like I said, engage with a professional who lives in this space. Um, the second step would be, let's be realistic about what it is in terms of the relationship we're going to have established afterwards with that. But again, if you're selling 100% of the business, that parts irrelevant.
0: Yeah, I, I really like the idea of the word interview, right? Mm-hmm. Because in a weird way, this is kind of like going on a first date, maybe a second date. It is. With a potential person that you're about to spend 5, 10, 20, 30 years of your life with. Mm-hmm. And you really don't have that many dates to figure out if you want to propose or not, right? Like it's mm-hmm. always better when you find out that the person you're marrying has a bunch of money and they want to give you some. You know, that softens the blow a little bit. But at the end of the day, you, if you're not giving up 100%, are going to be chained to this individual for a non-significant amount of time. And mm-hmm. I, I thought that was that was a really interesting point because a lot of people, you know, they're just negotiating over money. They're negotiating over equity. They're negotiating over these tangible things mm-hmm. when there are some intangible-esque uh, Things that you want to talk about when you're negotiating, right? Such mm-hmm. as, you know, how does the relationship work? How's the roles going to change for this employee or that employee or my brother that's in the business or, you know, things that are a little more soft, a little more squishy, and quite honestly, are probably a little more uh, uncomfortable to discuss, mm-hmm. and, you know, are you, then are you going to give me a 4x multiple or a 4.5x multiple?
1: <laughs> exactly and, and, and that's all part of you need to have these thoughts figured out before you enter into listing your business um because if not you essentially become a, a bait and switch proprietor um which is not good <laughs> on say the least so but, but you're exactly right there's so much going on with this new relationship that we're going to have and it is very much like a marriage Because at the end of the day, if this doesn't go well, it can be really expensive to get out of and to undo this mistake. So it is certainly a situation where you got to have these thoughts and for go through. And there's a lot of times when we're thinking about the priorities that we want to get accomplished in this transaction, that the money isn't or the gross amount of money rather. Isn't the most important part? It does come down to these things. Are you going to make sure that my brother-in-law isn't fired within the next three years? You know, does he have an opportunity to buy into the company? You know, are you trying essentially to create an ownership group for your some of your key employees to buy in at a minority stake and have a majority outside company step in as well? you know for instance we're selling 10 we're selling 10% to four collective employees and you're going to come in and buy the other 90 like is is that how we want to structure this are those key employees able to do this and handle it these are all thought processes that need to go through and the incredible challenge with it is that there is no right answer because yes we can know in the moment i got a big check I'm happy, awesome. But really when we're selling the business to to hit upon your point from before, it's a long-term relationship. What's this going to be three, five, seven years from now? And are we going to be still happy with it then? And some of us are very good at making those instinctive decisions saying, I can trust this person, it's gonna work. And some people flat out just go, I don't wanna be around that guy. And the one advice on this point that I think is very critical, it's true for all hiring actually, probably all relationships in life in a broader sense, if you don't see this person being a positive part of your life the way you define it a year from now, don't be with them for another week. And that's whether you're an employee, an employer, or whatever the case of the relationship, That ends up being some of the most positive advice that people realize, I wish I would have implemented that time instead of putting barriers up from implementing it.
0: Yeah, it's kind of a tangential point, but one of my favorite sayings in all of business is fail fast and fail cheap. Mm -hmm. With with any kind of decision you're going to make with any kind of venture expansion, new product line, new uh, advertising campaign, even in this case, a sale, right? You want to fail fast and fail cheap. Talk about the things that are uncomfortable. Bring up the big hurdles first, because the sooner you realize this is not a productive thing to be doing, exploring, et cetera, etc, cetera, mm-hmm. the faster you're going to be able to reconcentrate your efforts, your time, your money, your everything to something else that is more value. And I, I think people don't sometimes value the energy and the time and those yeah. intangible things as much as they like to sit there and hang on and go, yeah, but the opportunity, yeah, there, there's an opportunity cost. Um, yeah, no,
1: you you basically hit on a major part of life right there. Um, You, you need to balance the two, obviously. You, you need to know what the possibility of potential we're, we're getting out with, or at least what we think it's going to be. But you're absolutely right. The, the sitting in a situation that could end up going nowhere, it's better to get that off the bus up front. You know, if, if you know at the end of the day, sticking within the world of selling a business, that there is no way I'm ever going to allow the new buyer to do X, you know, to, to if you know, that you don't ever want your headquarters to be moved. So you're saying we're selling this business and you're not allowed to take it out of our city for 25 years. You know, you see sports teams do this sometimes. You're not moving out of this city. It's staying here. It's part of our deal. Well, there's a complete ownership group that would say, I'm okay with that, no big deal, get with it. And there's another group that would completely take their offer off the table because you didn't tell them up front. Sure, you, you, you might be getting less money out of it, but you wasted all that time and the belief that I have a sale in my pocket and it doesn't really happen. And at the end of the day, this is a sale, and there's nothing more devastating to a salesperson than someone who thinks that they have a sale and they're ready to spend the commission just to have it ripped away at the 11th hour. Um, That's just one of the things I talk about in my book, but it's something that's very important to to emphasize. You need to be up front with all these pain details and facts as quickly as possible to your point, be up front, be honest. This is the situation. Not everyone likes looking at at a Picasso, but some people absolutely love it more than anything. So be as real as possible.
0: So what are you up to next and how can the listeners find more of your stuff?
1: So the best way to find me is at Mm elitebusinessconversations.com. What you'll be able to do upon our website is scroll down and click upon a button to have a free consultation with me here, Joe. And you also can find me at LinkedIn at Joe Rocky. And if you reach out to me and tell me that you were found through this program, we'll end up giving you a discount code for my book, Casino Sales Master, which outlines the sales skills that we go into helping a business become self-sustainable. And it's all told through the true life story of how I arrived in Las Vegas with all my friends who had real jobs. And I only had 500 bucks in my pocket and I used my sales skills that I teach people on the casino floor to not just have a successful trip in Vegas, but to have them wildly pay for me to be there and come home over and over again. So again, Joe Rocky at, at LinkedIn, at obviously, um, and then just tell me you found me here. I'll give you that discount code and then to contact us directly elitebusinessconversations.com. And do we have a second here where I can ask you a question in return? Yeah. Cool. So obviously we discussed a lot of stuff here in today's show. Is there anything that stood out to you being the host of it and going through the conversation?
0: Well, I think the biggest thing that you brought up was the three weeks, right? Because everybody is going to have to sell their business or transfer it to somebody else at some point, right? Otherwise, you know, it's this just eternal handcuff that you're until the day you die. So whether that exit's gonna happen at 70 or if that exit's gonna happen at 35, you're gonna exit at some point. And what your notion of an exit is might be different than what the reality is. And the only way you're gonna know that is if you force yourself to step away and experience life after business.
1: That's exactly it. So I'm glad that that part resonated because it's one of the things that we do at Elite Business Conversations that we find incredibly vital. Um, And it it really is illuminating to a lot of different elements of life. Because not only do you learn about your business, obviously you're not there, but you learn about yourself and the other relationships that matter. And in a lot of cases, that's more important. You know, I, you know I, I apologize. I neglected on this to think about it when it came up before. But if you're experiencing problems with your business, it normally doesn't show up immediately through the business. It normally shows up through your outside relationships of your friends and your family. And if you start feeling those getting strained and you can't really tell why, that's one of the big indicators you should start considering. Maybe we should figure out how to sell this thing because it's putting a strain on you in a way that you can't see but the people around you that love you can. And I got to tell you, I know I've saved marriages by helping people sell their businesses. And you, <laughs> the worst thing you can do for a retirement plan, spend your whole life in something that actually ended up hurting you and then have to pay the ex for it. it, it it's 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 a horrible life process. So if you're in a spot where you're feeling that that might be happening to you, it's one of the, the door ringers to say, we should talk to a professional like Joe and s- see how he can help.
0: Awesome. Well, thank you so much for coming on Joe today. Uh, It was really insightful. And I think we all learned something. Like I said, a lot of people are not thinking about exiting their business early enough, uh, just Mm -hmm. because you got to have a plan, right? Life's all about having a plan. And Joe and other people in this field can really help you get that plan nailed down and decide what's the best option for you. So thank you guys so much for tuning in to another episode of Disruptive Minds. We'll see you next week.